Hello, this is Greg Prado, author of the books Take It Off, Kiss Truly Unmasked, as well as The Eric Carr Story, amongst many others. You're listening to the Shattered Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Rock and roll! Oh boy. Here we go. Oi. This is Gene Simmons. Put that cookie down. Kiss. Stop pressing the button. Star Brother Simmons. Star? Paul Stanley. Is that what he does? Stop shouting. He's not what you would call a handsome man. Oh no, here come the kiss times. Is that a positive thing? Okay. Alright. I'm gonna grab me an ice cold mellow Why? Why do that to the fan? Stop it. Why? Because fuck them. That's what we're talking about. 617 525 You do? Hey, fuck them. Do you like kiss? Settle down. Hello. Hey, what's up there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus in another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast. Episode 238. Kiss Producers. All right, so we've been talking about this for a while. The producers. Lots of great producers. Lots of eh producers. Who knows? But we talk about this a lot. The production of the albums, the sound quality, etc. So it's about time we rank them. And uh, there's a lot to choose from. So this will be good. We love ranking. Yeah, this is going to be lead to a fun discussion, guys. Yeah. And uh, we think you'll like it. And guess what? If you don't, no one cares. Welcome to listeners. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) If you do like it, don't worry. You'll listen on the next Kiss podcast you turn on in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I've been (sighs) swimming in raw sewage. Yikes. (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, Tom, what we did last week was we had an interview with our good buddy Brent Fitz. Yes, and we had a great poll. Brent uh, is in a bunch of amazing bands. We love all of them, so the poll was tricky, but that's okay. So we said, which of the following bands that Brent has performed with would you want to see live? The options are the Bruce Kulick Band, Gene Simmons Band, Slash, and Union Really no surprise, Bruce Kulick band at 46, Gene Simmons at 29, Slash at 14, Union at 11. I mean, it's it's KISS-related, so obviously it's going to be a battle between Bruce and Gene. But we love all that stuff. Uh, Union is a fantastic album, and obviously Slash's solo stuff is great. Twisted Kister, I've seen Bruce's band, and I've seen Slash. I'd love to see Gene, but Union is my answer today. I could see that. Our buddy Steve, this is probably the best argument. With all the deep cuts that they play live, I'm going with Bruce Kulick. Yes. Brad says, he, he tags Paul and Gene, you should have Bruce Kulick open for the last two shows. What a great way to celebrate history. Yes, we have been fighting for that forever. Who knows? I don't think we're going to get it, but uh, that's okay. Oh, of course, uh, it's been going around the Joey Casada Greek god of painting thing that that horrendously frightening picture is Zeus shared that with everybody oof
Our buddy Steve Doctor Two. Great episode, great conversation, great guy, great kiss fan. Yeah, my way. Woohoo! Oh, I, our buddy Brad, I love this one. Congratulations on the Lombardi Trophy. You deserve it. I like that. Nice reference there, Brad. Oh, is it? <laughs> this one made me laugh a lot. John Schaefer. He's making a reference to my mom, my 80-year-old mom going to see that Kiss Alive tribute band. Yeah. And he writes, he writes, Mrs. G, when I saw you walking out of bingo that day, that day I knew, I knew I had to have you. Oh, Jesus. Thanks, Being John. fresh. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. That's some good Twitter stuff. All right. On the book of face. Kevon. Jepson. Giggity, 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 giggity. Harley Ray Jepson. <laughs> Brent is one of the best in the business. Always so nice. I was on stage for a Gene solo show in Chicago, and during the show, he let me take his set list. Had great chats on the cruise, and we sat and talked in the lobby at Creatures Fest last year. Can't say enough good things about him. Number one podcast, hands down, as always. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah. And you forgot to add the part where uh, security had to come and get him off him because he was like humping his leg, probably knowing Kevin. No, he was too busy humping our legs. (laughs) (laughs) Adam Nirenberg, great interview with Brent today. Some hidden revelations, albeit I have to admit that I miss NPR Zeus. (laughs) Also, I want to give a little thanks to Adam for sending us some uh, some good DMs during the week on uh on Facebook, some some cool stuff. So, Adam, thank you. I know you're a big fan and supporter, and we appreciate it. Over on our Loudcasters, Carolyn Kelt, top bloke, up for a chat anytime. This was 3 a.m. on the Kiss Cruise Halloween, and she has the photo of her with Brent. Carolyn, oh, nice. she's going to be the fifth or sixth member of the Shout It Out Loudcast Women's Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And we got a comment coming up about that a little bit. Oh, later. yeah. And yeah, thank uh, you, apparently I, I messed up and I called Hal the UPS man uh, a woman. Yeah. Because nope. I mistook uh, mistook him for uh, Tally Fockler. Which and we'll he, get to later. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, DM. In which I think he said, uh, listening to the episode today and 10 minutes in, I'm laughing my ass off. But I'm Tal, the UPS man, a man. (laughs) (laughs) He used to have like Tal, the UPS man in his fucking profile name. How the fuck did I fuck that up? I don't know. I love it. But anyways. Uh, getting back to the comments here, uh, Joey Romanik, America's favorite realtor. I'm sorry, second favorite. Thanks to his lovely wife, Tina. She's now the new number one. Yes. And great photos of them hiking in their Shout It Out Loudcast gear. Yeah. Remember to go to shoutoutloudcast.com to get your Shout It Out Loudcast gear, folks. Yeah, we're uh, working on the Joey Romanik Shout Out Loudcast hiking backpack. <laughs> <laughs> matching beard stubble <laughs> and mat- matching Joey Romanic 
official fanny pack to compete with the Paul Stanley fanny pack. And he can get the Joey Romanic doll come equipped with a, an iron to iron his jeans that he loves to do. <laughs> with his Bon Jovian, Bon Jovian-ish ironed on jeans. Forget about that's going to be the next thing in time for Christmas. Forget about Ken and Barbie. We're getting the Joey and Tina Romanic action figure action figure dolls. You complete complete with hiking gear. And there'll be different scenic background photos come equipped in like mountainous areas. Maybe like a God of Thunder camping van that they drive around in. Oh. <laughs> in boots to where it is ironed on slacks. Oh, man. I'm just picturing right now. Mom, I wanted a G.I. Joe. No, you're getting a Joey Romanic. Oh, oh God. Anyways, he says... Oh. Awesome show. And as the years have gone by, I often wondered at what point would we see retirement community entertainment transition from Frank Sinatra and Big Bang tributes to rock band tributes. Apparently, the time is now. Leave it to the villages. I'm wondering how many 80-year-olds will be wearing makeup to the show, Tom. Honestly, all jokes aside, that's actually a really good observation about, like you said, the, the transitioning from, like, like he's like rock bands or, or, you know, or pop, pop bands to instead, instead of like Engelbert Humperdinck playing live. You know what I mean? Like the generations are shifting. So that's kind of interesting. Michael Murphy. Great interview, especially the line question about Eric Singer. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> drunken me Jericho is right. Because <laughs> that's a new character. That's that's gonna that's another that's gonna be another product in the Christmas line of shout it out loudcast toys. The drunken mean Jericho doll. You would pull the doll's cord and he sings fucking Paul Stanley tunes from the eighties and he gets drunk in your face. Comes equipped with a fully operating laptop that plays my way vocals only on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> Hey, have you guys seen this Paul Stanley YouTube clip? I think we just came up with our new Christmas episode. <laughs> Show it along as Christmas merch. You can put them in any crazy pose. The whack pack. The kiss dart pack. <laughs> Come get your fucking Devon Jepson. Assume one of his many aliases so he can go on social media. It comes equipped with a flat earth. <laughs> comes equipped with fucking post office photos of him telling him to stay away from children. <laughs> We're never going to get through this episode. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway. Maybe drunken me Jericho's right. You guys are really are journalists. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. 
Oh, so you're a journalist? No, we're not. Then what are you? I don't know. Entertainers? Okay, <laughs> Prince. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Oh, no. Jack Finocchio. God. Here's the Jack Pinocchio fucking doll. Watch him make memes of fucking other people. Uh, this was a fun episode. I didn't know anything about Brent Fitz, and I find these kind of interview episodes great, especially hearing someone's point of view of Eric Singer being as close to him as Brett is. Good comment, brother. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that was cool. Paul Heider. Snipsy's mustache. Between <laughs> you guys and Don Cherry's Grapevine podcast, I'm getting all the Bruins contact I can content I can stomach. <laughs> By the way, yeah, you've lost some championships, but you won a few, too. We know. Try being a Canucks fan. We'll never win a cup. Love that Brent was a fan of the lunch bucket players. Canucks. Thomas Gradine was fine back in the day, but I was here to see Snipsy stand the steamer smile. I remember that guy. Darcy Rhoda, Tiger (laughs) Williams, and Garth Butcher. He did have Richard Brodeur for a goalie for a while. Oh, he was really good. Great yep. stuff, boys. Keep your heads up and you stick on the ice. Nice. Thanks, Paul. Daniel Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Uh, Daniel Haller, Houston. Can you add Morgan Freeman telling Sam's, you smoke crack, son. You're a disgrace as a regular feature. Great episode. <laughs> oh, God. I want everybody here to look at this. Slovenly boy, was he called slovenly. <laughs> fair, e- fair Eastside. <laughs> what, what was that kid's name with the little pimp mustache? What was his name? Oh, Kid, Kid Ray. Ray. Kid Ray's getting his ass kicked. Yo, Mr. Clark, someone's beating up Kid Ray. Come get your Kid Ray doll and shout it aloud. Comes with Mr. T starter kit gold chain. Oh, God. The Joe Clock action figure comes with a replica Louisville slug of baseball bat. Oh, man. Oh. All right. Over on our Instagram page, NHL talk to kick off and kiss. That was bloody awesome. I don't believe he was mentioned, but a great fin was Timu Solani, who scored 76 goals in his rookie Oi. season jet. We know all about it, Timu. Uh, great interview with Fitz, and let's make sure that the Shout It Out Loudcast Hall of Fame for the female listeners happens. We need a Jan Terry Award. Oh, That's Mr. Yeah, Antonio 2005. I don't know if the Jan Terry Award is a positive thing. 
the heavy side. Excellent episode, guys. You guys are close to becoming my favorite podcast. Close? What? Close? What? Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't know about that kind of comment there. The heavy side. Yeah. Listen, if your name is the heavy side, you must be in the 95th percentile of our listeners and podcasters we know. He's probably, he's probably a podcaster himself. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Over on our YouTube page, Tom, Marty White. It must be something for Scrappy-Doo Singer to be most technically proficient drummer in KISS, but be made to play like the worst KISS drummer. Hold on. Mm. My phone's ringing. Hey, fucko, what do you mean worst? <laughs> yeah. Peter, I exclaimed like he just walked in the room. Don't worry. You're still my favorite. You going to post that fucko? Yes. Gigi, get the car. We're going upstate. I got to teach a fucko some lessons. All righty. <laughs> Glam Rock Bandit. I'm so glad that the Eric Singer midget cowboy story got a follow up in this episode, <laughs> along with the more of the Gene Simmons experience event. That funny tidbit aside, once again, what an episode. You guys mesh so well with Fitz here. There wasn't a single dull moment in this interview as a result. That is why I love these interview episodes. You guys bring out these amazing dynamics and moments and guests you have here. And it's always a sight to behold. I also totally forgot about him popping up on Gene Simmons Family Jewels. This mm -hmm. absolutely calls for a rewatch of the whole show in my book. And LOL at the female Hall of Fame comment. I hadn't realized how few chicks made themselves as loudcasters here. Here's to the Loudcaster army growing, growing even more and maybe being able to count the amount of female listeners on two hands as opposed to one. Glam Rock Bandit, I believe, is a female, Tom. One of the great, five great, or six members we got. Great comment. That was awesome. That was really, that was, I love that. That was great. Yes. Maybe we'll do a female comment of the week from now on. Maybe. This is Akron5965. Super show once again, boys. This is why we love the show so much. It's like a bunch of kiss geeks talking shit together. Fitz yep. is a gun muso and seems like a great guy. Super stuff. And we're going to end with this one uh, for me, Tom. And that's what about Rob says. Eric knew who you were and was fucking with you on purpose. All the shit you say about him was probably the reason. I did. I saw. I saw that, and I'm like, I, I don't. I it, that would be great if that was true, but I don't know. Yeah. So off the record, we can tell you this, just so you guys can know what it's like on our end here. Sometimes we get told by people, "Oh, people hear you. Oh, people know. People listen." Yeah. As though making the hint that it's Kiss and all those guys. I don't buy it unless I hear it from that person specifically. I yep. don't buy anybody's fucking listen. I don't think Gene listens. I don't think Paul, Eric Singer. I don't think any of them listen. I don't know. We now do that we hear people yeah. tell us, yeah. this. we do. And, and and now that we know that Brent Fitz and Eric Singer are like BFFs, <laughs> yeah. there's a chance that maybe Eric Singer yeah. has heard, you know. But the chance that Eric heard us and knows exactly what we said and w went up to us and goes, hey, guys, check this out. When he was showing it to other people besides us. I, it had nothing to do with him hearing that we say he looks bored. I don't think we've ever said he sucks 
or he's no. a terrible drummer or he's a Never. bad person. Never. Never. The only thing we say is he's better than what he's playing. Like he looks like he's fucking bored. Yep. And, uh, you know, Brent defended him and gave us an opinion. We loved him for it. Yep. So you can take it for what it's worth. Anyway, uh, Tom, back to you. All right, let's get through some emails here. Our good friend Costa. Oh, Big yeah. email here. Big email he sends us. Cool and enjoyable episode. The content is why SIOL is the clear number one podcast for Kiss Tards and should be a must listen for any rock fan. Having Brent chat with you guys was awesome. He's well spoken, humble, knowledgeable, and has played with so many bands and artists that it sent me YouTubing to listen to the music and watch performances that I would never have done on my own. It's the present day equivalent of discovering a new metal band on late night much music, which was MTV for you guys. It's clear how comfortable Brent felt with you two as he freely shared his thoughts about his bandmates' personalities on the show, especially about Eric Singer. My personal bonus was hearing Brent talk about growing up in Canada, buying music at Sam the Record Man, and of course, hockey, from collecting cards to the ritual of watching games on Saturday nights and those classic Jets players. Lori Boschman, Doug Smale. When Zeus piped in about the Montreal-Boston rivalry, it reminded me of the daily arguments between the Habs, the Bruins, and the Nordiques on the bus rides to high school that went nuclear once the playoffs started. Good times. Figured I would share this picture I look at, the old Montreal Forum in the spring, when they still have the annual Canadians team pictures hanging. I decided to enshrine SIOL onto the 1986 Stanley Cup team. Take a look at the top right. Yeah. And he posts a... And he's got his picture framed without a little bumper sticker right there in the top right. Love it. Costa, you rock, buddy. Thank you. Oh, he's the best. Great stuff. Uh, our buddy, Jim Riley, excuse me, shouted out Loudcast Hall of Famer, Jim Riley. That's right. Great conversation with Brent. I went to Bruce's show in Las Vegas in December of 21. As we know, Brent was sick, which was a bummer. Eric played that night. Not a bad, quote, alternate. Brent is awesome. In my opinion, if you YouTube Kiss Crew 7, this is the best-sounding Kiss music you will hear with Brent, Todd, Bob, and Bruce. Listen to Turn on the Night with the trading of the guitar souls at the end. Brent is cool and a great drummer. I also knew that you would bring up that midget western. Thanks for that. I love that story. Yeah, we do too. Uh, we'll finish up emails with a good one here from Penelope Red, Zeus. Familiar with her? So, now that you guys got all that hockey talk out of your system, can we expect a Gene Simmons birthday show extravaganza next week? Maybe something creative that an other podcast might steal eventually? I'll be waiting. Bye for now. Well, we're going to be recording our episode with Sonny in a little bit. Uh, so I don't know, Sonny. I mean, Penelope. Um, we'll figure it out, right? We'll find Dude. out. Dude. We'll find That's- out. <laughs> That's but that that's emails for us. So that's what we're gonna do with emails tonight. So we're reading Sonny's emails on the air now. Is that what we're doing? Well, we're reading Penelope Red's email. Oh, is that who that was from? <laughs> Tom would like to circle back just to one more comment, and that is this one. It's from Facebook, our loudcasters group from a female listener, mm-hmm. the great Tally Fockler. Mm-hmm. Not Tal the UPS man. Nope. This says, hi, I'm Tally Fockler. Not Fokker. Fokker, I told you before. <laughs> the cat has no thumbs. Anyways, uh, I'm a shouted out loudcast fan, and I have a vagina. 
<laughs> I love that. That right there is awesome. Here it is. A picture of my husband and I on our last kiss show a long time ago, September 2022. Uh, the two, they're both wearing those uh, uh, those Walmart kiss uh, Love Gun Tour 77 shirts we all have. Yep. And, the, yep. and, the, and she made her poor whipped, I mean, husband wear a uh, kiss hat as well. Uh, good looking couple. Anyways, we had front row tickets that night. He is not into Kiss like us, but I even got him to dress up like a Kiss star. <laughs> and for being one of our best female listeners, putting a photo up and improving the attractiveness of loudcasters, but a thousand percent oh, by God, putting yeah. a picture of you and your handsome husband. Yes. And this is probably this. That's it, Tom. I've got it. We're going to have a handsome couple off on between Callie and her husband versus Joey Romanik and Tina Romanik. I don't know who's going to win. We'll have that at the end of the year. And you they, know can, what? Yeah. they can I, have I, a swimsuit competition, a hiking look competition, and a kissed hard look competition. I think you may have just come up with next year's March Madness. That's it. We're just going to pair up Who's the who's the hottest loudcaster? <laughs> Headshots of all you fucking mutants out there. And then the NIT tournament will have like pictures of like Jepson. <laughs> and the rest of us podcasters will have <laughs> our fat heads as as headshots. <laughs> Anyways, Callie, for one of our comments of the year candidates, you and your poor kissed hard looking husband our comment of the week good answer good answer like the way you think i'm gonna be watching you oh congrats tally i mean now you could just brag to your co-workers your family and friends it's amazing you are comment of the week thank you I think they're both wearing matching hot pants as well. Ooh, okay. Oh, right? Okay. Uh, I don't know. Or matching leggings. I don't know. Guys. <laughs> I don't know. Poor guy. <laughs> you look at what a handsome looking couple. Joey Romanik, Tina Romanik, you have competition. That's right. It's on. That's right. Anyway, Tom, what we do next is we give a shout out to our Patreon family. Patreon is where. You can come on, join, contribute to the show, and that is with a, a contribution in one of the four tiers. And in return, you get merch, input, uh, video conferences, our one-of-a-kind messaging boards, uh, all sorts of shit that we do, and polls, and ARCs, and Madge, March Madness involvement. You guys are heavily involved in the show. But the most important aspect of it is that you guys help us out. As you can tell, the show is constantly growing. Anybody out there must know. From day one, we have yet to sit back on our laurels and say, oh, wow, we're doing pretty good. We're constantly moving the show forward. And the reason we're able to do that is because you guys help out and pinch in with Patreon. It's a big part. And it's very helpful. 
So if you like what you hear and you're like, oh, those guys are good guys, go to our Patreon page. You can go to page, uh, you can go to the website, patreon.com. You can go to the app, Patreon. You search for creators. You put in Shout It Out Loudcast. You'll find us. But more importantly, the easiest thing is go to our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com. Right on the landing page icon there says Patreon. Click on that. Four different tiers. Help us out in any way possible. And you will get stuff from us in return. And we'll be one big happy family. The Patreon family is constantly growing. And we really appreciate it. If you're interested, come help us out. It's a big help. Thank you to all our Patreon members. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, come join and find out what all the fun's about. Yeah, like Zeus says, and like we say every week, a huge debt of gratitude to all our amazing Patreons, the long-timers, the first-timers, the newbies. You guys rock. Uh, Huge, huge influence on the show and continuing to keep it growing. Uh, We thank you so much. And we want to give a individual special shout out to one of the earliest patreons ever and that is our good friend the tax man tony barone abcpainc.com for all that he has done for us on the air off the air shout it out loudcast related personal life related anthony barone you are the man and we want to take a few moments here to just shout out, celebrate you, your business, and everything that you've done for us. Yeah, you know how they always say, like, oh, if you're reading some advertiser, like, oh, yeah, who this guy? Oh, that's the guy that's paying us, so we'll fucking say, yeah, Pepsi's the best. All right, next week, Coke is the best. No, this is different. We actually use Tony. We can personally tell you how professional he is. Yep. I'm in Massachusetts. Tom's in New Hampshire. We both use him. He is fucking amazing. Yep. Accessible personal knowledgeable tons of experience he's the fucking man and we wanted to give a special shout out if anybody seriously needs any tax help that's the guy you can do any state there is absolutely abcpainc.com anthony barone look him up find him reach out to him and tell him you're a loudcaster and he'll hook you up absolutely thanks again tony Tom, what we do next is go over to Kiss World where it's uh, crickets again. Yeah, it it is crickets. The only kind of news, and and this is really, I I mean, we call it news because we did see it on a fairly reputable social media page, and that was a a Kiss Brazil page. Um, I know they don't really get involved in in rumors and things like that, but there is reports, and we haven't seen it anywhere else, so we we are being careful about what we're saying here. Um, but there are reports that Paul and Gene may be shopping the brand of Kiss. Um, one of the information that came out, it says that apparently the Kiss off the soundboard releases and commemorative deluxe editions and box sets are on hold due to a possible sale of the Kiss brand by Paul and Gene. This can have direct impact on Universal Music, the label that holds the band's catalog. Only colored editions of LPs will continue to be released through the official KISS online website. The next one will be announced soon. So, a couple things here. The next one that's going to be announced is probably going to be Lick It Up because it's 40 years. You'll probably get some black and white swirled vinyl thing. But it looks like the box sets and all these picture disc things, it looks like that's on hold. I don't know anything about the business which allows them to make 
a colored vinyl, but not a box. I don't know anything about that, but it does appear that Paul and Gene are pulling a George Lucas and going to try to sell, you know, the kiss name and not just their catalog. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. And you know what? God love them. The, 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 the tour is up in six months or not even six months, three months, four months. So uh, who knows? But again, we haven't really seen that anywhere other than that uh, particular website. So. Yeah, uh, Ace is still touring, Tom. Yep. I, I think he's in our neck of the woods, and, and he's going to be touring down the street from you. Tom, <laughs> you got to help me. I'm having a real hard time from finding a public restroom in Nashua. Please, you got to give me some help. I know you got a shed over there. Is there any way I can just squat in that little potted plant right there? Please, give me a break. I'm having a really hard time. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. You know any way how to get to the Boston Garden? Dude, your show's in Nashua. Oh, fuck. I, I guess Pepe gave me the wrong directions. Pepe, what the fuck you doing, brother? You trying to hook, you trying to make, make me miss the show or what? <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. He's got a couple shows in New Hampshire coming up. I'm not sure if we can make it. It's going to be tough. Uh, I, I believe our friend, Courtney Cronin, Fraley, fucking Kulik Lane, Sweden, Simmons, Tweed, fucking whatever. She's back in in uh, Boston these days, and she might be going to one of the shows, and we might be able to hook up with her and hopefully catch Ace performing. I got a couple cast players here. A guy named Jeremy, the guy named Gene on bass. He's pretty good. Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, Ryan. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to, uh, I, I won't name names because I don't know if this person wants to be publicly named on the show, but a friend of ours on Facebook was sending us uh, multiple, multiple DMs, almost doing like a live like commentary on the Ace concert that he went to. Who, Roy Dan? Oh, God. Well, that's another episode. <clears throat> um, I'm going to say this. I, I know we we talk about this a lot. So I'm going to preface this by saying that, you know, seeing YouTube videos, you know, iPhone videos, you have to be wary of that. But what I saw was really, really, really bad. Like, and I mean, like horrendous to the point where if this was like the gong show, like he would be getting gonged off the stage. It's really bad. And, you know, if we don't make it to the A shows, uh, it's not going to break my heart. I know it would be amazingly in unintentional comedy, but Ace, he's he's got to go. He's got to go. The poor guy. It's real. It's really bad. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate. We want him to do well. We want him to be fucking badass Ace like he used to be. Of course. In my opinion, I don't know if it's because he's been hearing it or or something else. But my understanding, Tom, he's singing less. Yes, he's letting yep. the boys sing a little more. Maybe That's correct. It's some of the ground swells. It's gotten back to him from, and and again, nobody. We're not putting words in people's mouths. Um, the band doesn't even see him till the show starts. They don't even talk. Like he doesn't even talk to them. Yep. So somebody had to. I don't think they're the ones. Hey, uh, you know, maybe it'd be better if we sing this. Maybe it's his girlfriend. That yeah, I don't know. Like she sees the feedback. You know, I think those live videos from Ace kind of dropped. I know John, his manager, put some up. They're not doing him any favors putting those videos up. 
Because if you look at it, and I looked at the last few, even that John put up, which is full of fucking ace cult members, most of the comments are like, oh my God, this is brutal. Somebody has to get back to the, gotten back to him and be like, hey, you know what? Maybe it might be a good idea to have Jeremy sing Deuce, huh? What do you, what do you think? And, and things like that. So it's a nostalgia act. They're all nostalgia acts. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. P- fans will still show up to hear Ace maybe sing a couple tracks, play guitar and a few things, throw a fucking couple picks out and support the guy. He deserves it. But him doing the shows and just nobody telling him that it's fucking brutal ain't doing any favors to his legacy. Yeah. And before people start jumping on us saying that we're we're commenting on a show that we haven't seen. Yeah, you're right. However, we're lucky well, enough we've to seen have a lot of fr- perform live. Well, three right. times within the last right. but, 12 but months. What I'm so saying, don't but what I'm don't saying, fucking what I'm, say that. I, I know, I know. What, you, what I'm no. saying. So I don't want to hear that from anybody. What Let's I'm see. saying is we've been, we've been lucky enough to have a lot, to have friends out there that have gone to the shows on this current tour and have commented themselves. I, I, it, they're just, they're, they're, I mean, yeah, they're enjoying themselves. They're out seeing live music. They're seeing Ace. But in terms of him, they're saying it is a train wreck. And we love Ace. I'm sorry. There's no Ace cult here. There's no any cult here. We love Ace. We love his era. But it's just, to me, it's just sad. And I don't like to see my heroes be sad. Yeah. And the ones who want to throw out, oh, but what about Paul? He's just, the fact that Paul uses backing tracks, either you're okay with it and you go to the shows like we do. Yep. Or the ones that don't are the ones that aren't going to the shows and want to exactly. pick about it and become a fucking stink army think of family here people and listen and yep. do their thing and that's their shtick now and they, they have and, a right to do that and also well, if the alternative if the alternative to using tracks is getting what you're getting from ace yeah i don't know if there's any honor i don't know if there's any honor in either one but i can tell you it's it's not it's no badge of honor to sit there and listen to ace without tracks yeah it's one of those things that you're like yeah i think he's using tracks you're not a guaranteeing that he is. You're not saying I'll bet my life in every song is a track. Right. Kind of think it is. And they kind of leave it. So there's a little bit of hope that it's not all tracks. So right. you can justify going to see it. And the rest of the band's live and still fun. Still a kiss show. You can enjoy it. So I, I think that's why Paul is a little bit less. It was funny because we got into it with a couple of idiots that don't even listen to the show. You can tell they don't listen to the show. They don't even follow us on social media. They just came. Oh, across no, they us did. And they, they, then, then they all unfollowed and said, oh, we don't follow you. You don't No, yeah. I saw that you did. Cause I'm like, the fuck is this person? Yeah. I think that this show is a Paul cult. <laughs> I love that. Talk about not listening. <laughs> yeah. It's Ugh. okay. We can criticize Paul. Without bringing up Ace, we can criticize Ace without bringing up Paul. Try yeah. it, people. It seems to work with most other people about other subjects. But somehow, fucking Paul and Ace are the two names that you can't talk one without the other. It's ridiculous. Yep. yep. Anyway, I don't think there's much out there except Gene is still doing his uh, auctions out there. So check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy put up a couple photos. He's vacationing. And, uh, and Eric Singer's hanging out with our buddy Brent. That's right. Yeah. Talking midgets. Yep. Yeah. So why don't we uh, take a little bit of a break while I go uh, see if Ace is comfortable in the cot that I'm going to set up in your backyard. <laughs> Shit. So this is pretty good. If you want to hook me up with some snacks, like some cashews and some uh, sugar babies. I like those sweet little caramel, little crunchy things. You know, they're pretty good, but they get 
stuck in my teeth. I'm going to get a fucking toothpick. I'll ask my girlfriend, Rachel, to come over and she'll pick them out of my teeth a little bit later. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, we're back, and I just had to run to the front door because the doorbell rang. My DoorDash came, and to my surprise, Ace is making a few extra bucks while he's in southern New Hampshire. Hey, Tom, I, I heard you were looking for some Popeye's chicken. I hope you don't mind that five-piece. It's only a four-piece now. Don't get mad. <laughs> you got anything to wipe my fingers? Your doorbell's a little greasy now. I'm going to screw Jeez. up the cords to now cold chin because my hands got all finger looking chicken oil on it. Got honey mustard sauce all over my fingertips. Oh, oh man. Tom, we're going to talk about producers. Let's do this first. Before we get into it, we want to set up the parameters because everyone's going to be like, oh, what about this and that? Oh, Oh, you forgot. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> this could this could have been a good episode if you did your research. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So we came up with 14 names, and these are the people. Okay. So we're gonna go chronological. We're just gonna mention who the names are. Then we're gonna r- rank them. Okay. Four, so, 14 groups of producers. Yes, exactly. So we'll the first one, we're gonna go chronological. So yep. the producers. Of the debut in Harder Than Hell are Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise. Anybody see Richie? Fuck you. <laughs> Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? So that's one. Number two yep. was Neil Bogart did Dress to Kill. Number three was Bob Ezrin, who did Destroyer, The Elder, and Revenge. Number four. Eddie Kramer, who did Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, and Ace's solo album. Mind you, we're not doing live albums or compilations or anything like that. Yep, yep. And then number five, we're going to the solo albums. We're up to Yes, yep. So for the Paul Stanley solo album, we got Jeff Glixman, 
with a little bit of Paul Stanley. Yeah, we'll say Jeff Glixman, but Jeff Glixman, Paul Stanley. That's another one. So that's number five. Yep. And then we'll go to the Gene Simmons solo album. And that is produced by Sean Delaney and a little bit of Gene Simmons. So Sean Delaney, we're going to call it, even though Gene's uh, got producer credits. And then number seven is we're going to go to the Peter Chris solo album. And that is Vinnie Poncia, who also did Dynasty and Unmasked. Yeah. So if you go start ranking him, it's funny because Peter Chris is alphabetically the fourth of the port uh, uh, of the solo albums. Technically, Vinnie Poncia did the last three albums, Peter Chris, Dynasty, and then Unmasked. Yep. All right. So then we go to number eight. You got Michael James Jackson, who did Creatures of the Night with a little bit of Paul and Gene. And then you also have uh, Lick It Up by him with also a little bit of Paul and Gene. And you also technically had Killers, too. Right? Right. But we're not yeah, going to include I, that. Cause yeah, I know. Because so, yeah. I always yeah. think of Michael James Jackson as doing three in a row. Right, 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 right. Just putting it out there so the kid stars, kid stars don't lose, like, get their panties in a bunch. And yep. then who's after that? Then we have Animalize, and the sole producer of that is Paul Stanley. And then number 10 is? Then you have Paul and Gene as co-producers for Asylum and Hot in the Shade. And then 11. You have Ron Nevison for Crazy Nights. Who calls? Who falls in between those Paul and Gene uh, produced albums. Yep. And then number 12. Toby Wright for Carnival of Souls with a little bit of Paul and Gene. Number 13. Bruce Fairbairn. Rest in peace for Psycho Circus. And number 14 is. Greg Collins, who did Sonic Boom and Monster with a little bit of Paul Stanley on both. Yeah, not to be mistaken with actor Gary Collins with that helmet hairdo. Nice teeth, too. Yes. yes. Anyways, that's the 14 thing. So let's talk about how we're going to rank this, because this is not our favorite album like so if you if you if you follow music you know we talk about producers and engineers there are albums that i'm going to have ranked very highly because of how they sound not because i like the album and vice versa there's going to be albums i love that are going to be ranked pretty low because i love the album but the sound isn't great i like the songs i like the chorus or whatever but it doesn't sound great so that's going to be a minus so this is not like our our favorite kiss albums we're ranking the producers Yes, and we're not going to pull a Martin Popoff fucking analysis of the sound quality, fucking no, dynamics, no, and no, too specific. We'll, we'll no. talk about it, but we we're, we don't have that engineering background to get into that much of the weeds of these things. Right. So there right. are fourteen. Number fourteen for me, and I think this is easily number fourteen. And that is Greg Collins and Paul Stanley. Now, I know the easy thought will be, oh, that's because those are the two newest albums. You just don't like them and they're the least favorite popular albums. No, I think the production's fucking horrendous. I could tell you things from a, a lay person's um, perspective. So when I do all the sounds from the music that I'll put on our episodes, and I put them into Audacity, and I download the stuff, and I can see the wavelengths and all that stuff. When I take any track off of Sonic Boom and Monster, it's all fucking filled out, meaning yep. it's all bleeding together. Yep. You can't hear any fucking 
dynamic or instrument or anything like that. So I think the sound is fucking terrible. The other thing, I think those albums have highs and lows. Now, I don't want to get into too much details about albums we haven't reviewed, like Sonic Boom. But I think they have a lot of highs and lows. So I think, although you might be the producer, more likely he was more the engineer. There was no control over, yeah, you shouldn't have this song on here. Right. No, no, no. This song sounds just like that last song, which sounds like that last song, which all three of them are not very good. They're just a song you did. There's no, I I think, uh, quality control. I think the the sound is 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 brutal, and uh, just not a fan of the production on those albums. I'm gonna agree with you. I know it's the easy way out, but I have the same thing, and that's because of you know I know Sonic Boom and Monster. Okay, not great albums. We pick on them, but <clears throat> Monster is one of the most horrendous listening experience your ears hurt it came out during those volume wars you know a lot of people say that metallica's death magnetic kind of suffered the same thing everything is super compressed there's no there's no like like you said when you're looking at it visually like on audacity or whatever there's no breathing room for anything so the sound itself is terrible primarily on monster sonic boom is not great but we are going to comment a little bit on the quality of the album because you're producing the album. Both both albums have mediocre songs, and a lot of them sound the same, and they sound like they're thrown together. So I think the quality of the song, but more so for me, the quality of the sound, um, and that just that's Greg Collins pretty much doing what Paul told him to do, my guess, on both of them. Yeah, and the another added aspect of it is you can also throw in, okay, yeah, this is the Eric song. Yeah, this is yep. the Eric song. And they yep. both have the same, almost same fucking title, and they almost sound the same. And then, up, yep. oh, this is now I like the Tommy songs, but this is the Tommy song. This is the, it's almost like he's just you. Okay, Paul, I'll do this one. Okay, this is the song you want. Okay, yeah, no input. No, you're right. Number thirteen, not going to go far from it. Same thing, and that is a legendary producer, Bruce Fairburn, and that is Psycho Circus. What a mishmash fucking potpourri of an album. All over the fucking place. No direction. You're Bruce Fairman. You've produced some huge albums. They selected you for a reason. This is the song selection you chose. You didn't put your foot down and be like, dude, Paul, I know you want to bring session guys in here. Let's work with these guys. And if they can't do it, then we'll get those guys in. Why are we starting with session guys in here? This is a chance to do a legendary Kiss album. I'm assuming that's why he thought he was brought in. Hey, let me work with legendary Kiss to get an album. This is the first one that they've worked on since the 70s. And this is what you get? Horrendous. Yeah, unfortunately, that's going to be my pick, too. And I know the people listening to this are going to say, you know, the three newest albums or whatever. But look, I, I will give credit to Fairband for one thing. I think the sound of the drums on this album are fucking fantastic. I think some of the sonics of the album are pretty good. But the fact that the album is all over the place, it's misdirected. We said it during our review. If you missed it, go back and watch, listen to our Psycho Circus review. There's no fuck me, suck me, kiss songs. It's all, you know, dreaming, raise your glasses, psycho circus, journey of a thousand years. It's, and I get it. That's what they wanted. 
So to me, this is kind of a little bit, a little bit different than, than the other rankings where the sound isn't terrible. It's, it sounds okay, but I just think the production quality, the quality of the songs and like Zeus nailed it with the musicians. It's not even kiss. I just think that that penalizes him. And I know there are, it is, it is known that the, you know, God bless Bruce and rest in peace that this was kind of a, not really a good mix for, with the band. And no, him. they, yeah. And he was kind of criticized about, well, he didn't yeah. really understand kiss. Well, why didn't you, if you brought the original kiss back, go to a producer that knows the four of you guys. Exactly. You brought up, he had a name for himself. He should have put his foot down. Yep. And, and I said, agree. no, this is what I want to do. Now you're right. This like a song, like within. The drums on that, fantastic. The sound yep. is okay. Yep. But even fucking to look back and be like the sappy Peter ballad. Look, I know Peter can sing, but you got to give him something better than this material. Like, yeah. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I agree. It's, and because he's such a great producer, he gets penalized for the disappointment. Right. Exactly. Yep. All right. Number 12. Oh, I'm all over the place on this one. I'm going to go with Ron Nevison and Crazy Nights. You've got a Paul Stanley in the fucking great zone that he's in. And you put his fucking nuts in a vice and he hits notes that he can never hit again. Way too much keyboards on this album. Way too much. Uh, you know, but then again, he pulls out tracks like No, 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 which are rocking. And then he's got Turn On The Night, which is uh, one of my favorite songs of the non-makeup era. Okay, Thief In The Night is pretty good, but the, the this is not a Kiss-sounding album. Way too much keys. Um, Another guy who had a name, who I expected a little more, trying to get them to do a little bit too much like Bon Jovi-ish kind of stuff without being able to pull it all together. I think you did a much better job than Bruce Fairburn did in the rest, but disappointed in way too much keys and Paul singing way too high. Once again, I'm the exact same. I got Ron Nevison, same thing. Most of the same reasons are, I think the song, most of the songs are great. We talked about that album. We like, we love the album. Some of the Gene Deep cuts, Bruce's performance is off the charts. It's incredible. Paul's all over the place vocally, but that's okay. It's the era. To me, it's the keyboards. And I understand keyboards were being used. Okay. You go back and listen to an album like Midnight Madness by Night Ranger that came out around the same similar time period. The album fucking kicks ass, but it has keyboards. But they're used in a way that kind of supplement what the band is doing with their guitars. Okay. And it's tolerable. I mean, yeah, that is the album of the time. Yeah, but it's not like you're not the, the songs aren't soaked in keyboards like like they are here. And I just think that's one of the misfires with this. Now, I think we talked about this when we reviewed Crazy Nights. I have a bootleg of kind of like the raw sessions of this album that don't have any keyboards at all. Some have very minimal keyboards. Yeah. The album sounds incredible. It's it's a whole different fucking album. But it was 1987, and that's what they wanted. So, which makes this even worse because you could have had it because you heard the difference without it, and you chose that's, the version that you put out. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Number eleven. This is where it gets tough. I agree. I'm going to go with Gene and Paul on this one, and that is the Asylum production and Hot in the Shade. Asylum, not so much. 
but hot in the shade sounds like it was fucking put together with my old boom box from one tape deck to the next tape deck. When I was talking about like moving songs on to audacity, when I make, when I put songs onto these episodes, you got to see what the wavelength looks like when I move a hot in the shade song on, it sounds like it's like at a reduction sound quality of like, I don't know, 40% of what everyone else is doing. Horrendous. The other aspect of it, I don't agree with this, but people always say that, that hot in the shade is too long, that they could have cut this down, maybe made another EP or fucking other, take those songs and put them on another album. So the actual song selection on hot in the shade could have been done better, uh, reduced it by a little bit. Now, I always say, well, I would take out Betrayed and fucking the other Gene song that I'm not a big fan of, uh, Prisoner of Love. And other people will tell me, I'm crazy. You should take out Read My Body and something else. This is why I say, fuck it, just leave them all in there. But the fact that I know that they exist means leave them all. If I didn't know they existed, then I would be like, yeah, they put 10 songs out and these are the best 10 songs. So... I would put the Gene and Paul collaboration mostly because of Hot in the Shade, not Asylum. I think Asylum's great. I think the 10 songs they selected are fantastic. I don't think there's a problem really with the production on that. So I would say Gene and Paul is my 11. So we're four for four with the same here. I have Paul and Gene also. And again, like you, primarily for the production and the sounding of Hot in the Shade. I absolutely love these two albums. Two of my favorite albums by far, Asylum and Hot in the Shade. But Hot in the Shade sounds like complete shit. Asylum sounds okay for the time, but to me, I'm not penalizing anybody on song quality or songwriting. I know that, like you already went over it, there's a couple of songs on Hot in the Shade that people wish didn't exist and that it should have been a 10 or 11 song album. I'm not going to say that. But the sonics of Hot in the Shade are terrible, and Asylum is meh. It's okay. But yeah, that's that's that that's my ranking pretty much for the same reasons. Number 10. This is again, what am I going for? Yeah, exactly. This is where it gets, it gets tricky. The average, or I'm going for the high points or the low points. So, number 10, I'm going to take Vinnie Poncia as 10. <gasps> I thought you were going to have him dead last. No. Because I think this production on, on Peter is excellent. I think yeah. I give people more leeway on the solo albums because the band members themselves are like, this is what I want to do. These are the type of songs I want. So they're like, all right, you know, this is what you're choosing. So I'm not going to penalize these producers for the songs picked. I think the production is perfect on Peter. I think it works well. I think he picked good songs. I think the sounds great. Then if I go over, I think dynasty sounds awesome. Listen to how awesome sure. No, something is on dynasty. Yep. However, for as good as those ones sound, he is horrendous unmasked. Unmasked is one of the only albums when I talk about when I review one of the few ones that production is a reason why I think it's one of the weaker albums in the Kiss uh, discography. I think it it, like I always talk about it sounds like a boombox and the treble is broken and and the and the bass is off. It's it just sounds so 80s, weak, wimpy, poppy shit. I think there's way too many pop songs on it. Even the rock songs sound weakened by his production. 
Okay. So uh, even the Ace songs, which have nothing to do with pop and really, they're probably guitar sounding songs, don't sound like talk to me sounds weak and it shouldn't. Even two sides of the coin should be more of a rocker. Okay. I just, I think he destroyed that album. I think he did a horrendous job. Now, it could be the band's direction. It could be <clears throat> good friend Holly Knight now using keys on an album, which they never did before. I I put that on him. By this point now, it's his third effort with Kiss, technically, we count Peter's solo album. It's brutal. Brutal. So I'll put, I'm putting him at number 10. I thought you'd have him lower, uh, but okay. But I, I don't want to penalize him for the fact of the matter is that he did a good job on Dynasty and Peters. That's why. Right, right. Uh, for me, I'm going with uh, Richie Wise and Kenny Kerner, primarily because of the disaster of Hotter Than Hell. Um, I actually like the very kind of thin production of the first album. I think those songs sound great. I, I love how Firehouse sounds. Like, I love that. I, I think it's cool. But there's no excuse for Harder Than Hell. I know what they were trying for. They were trying for the dark and brooding, Sabbathy sounding thing. But you fucked up a good album with a lot of good songs. And I, to me, it's just unforgivable. It ruins my experience. I never go back to that album because of that. If I'm going to listen to those songs, I'm going to listen to them on a live or unplugged or a live three or whatever. I'm, I never put in Harder Than Hell. Um, and I blame those guys for that. So, um, that's what I have at number 10. All right, we're at nine. Number nine, I'm going to go with, I'm going with Paul Stanley for Animal Eyes. Song selection, there's some fucking weak tracks there. The production isn't that bad. I don't really have a problem. But if you listen to that album, it does sound very dated, very 80s, 84 era, kind of 85, a lot of speedy, fast tracks. Uh, the two songs at the end for Gene. Come on, dude. Step that up. He's got to be better. He's got to ask for better songs and material than that. That stuff is weak. Overall, not a bad job. And I'm sure they were trying to cut corners and he was trying to do what the best he could and save him money and be like, you know what? I'll fucking do this when Gene was distracted. So I, I, I got to give him a little bit of credit, but still nothing great. And uh, I'm going to go with Paul. Okay. My number nine, I'm going with Sean Delaney and what he did with Gene's album, which I like Gene's album. And I understand it's Gene's album. So Sean pretty much has to do what he's told. I get that. But ultimately, you let him bring in 4,000 different people and you let him do a song, you know, like always near you, nowhere to run, whatever the fuck that thing is called that you like. You know, I get I'm not going to penalize him on When You Wish Upon a Star. That was a heartfelt thing that Gene wanted. But, the you know, the album. And again, it's hard to penalize the producers on the solo albums because it's their solo project. But I I like m- most of Gene's album. I really do. But some of it, it's just like the producer, you kind of, and again, I know Gene's like, no, this is my album. I'm going to have Katie Seagal singing backup or whatever. But I just, I'm just going to kind of, Sean Delaney's name is on it. So I'm going to penalize him a little bit. So he's my number nine. Okay. Uh, number two. Eight for me. I'm going with Toby Wright, and okay. that is Carnival Souls. I think the album sounds fine. I think uh I think he could have disguised what they were trying to rip off a little better. But the the, the extra fuzz. Do you think people are like, oh, I need fuzz in my songs? 
No, yeah. you could have had a darker image and darker songs without adding that extra element of it to 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 kind of I don't know. It just makes Kiss look bad and cheapens what they were trying to do. Hey, look, Kiss isn't doing songs from the fucking 70s sound in the 80s either. Everybody moves their sound along with the times. I get it. That was a little too much. And obviously, you're bringing the guy that works with Alice in Chains. You're going to get a little bit of that. But I'm sure he could do other people. So just because I produce a type of uh, album that becomes a big hit doesn't mean I can't do other genres. A lot of great producers do a lot of different bands. Look at Rick Rubin, who he's worked with, and he can yep. bring out great things from everybody in different genres. So I don't really want to say that. I think Carnival Soul sounds pretty good. I think the song selection is a little weak, too, uh, and specifically the Paul stuff. But, you know, he, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. He's a really good producer because I, I love all his Alice in Chains stuff. So I'm going to go with Toby at number eight. Okay. Uh, my number eight is Paul Stanley for the reasons you mentioned with Animal Eyes. Um, not to mention, plus we're getting to the point where we're getting to the the real meat of these producers, so it's kind of yeah. tough to. Uh, but for what you said with Animal Eyes, I mean, it, I'm not going to really penalize him too much on the dated sound of it. I mean, it was '84; that's what people were doing. But um, it's you know, I, I guess Paul falls in at number eight for lack of, of of. There's really no one else that deserves to be this low. What's funny is he gets worse. As he goes along. Oh, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. If the albums he does that he has production credits on get worse. The produce the production. Put it, put it this way. I wish Monster sounded like Animal Eyes. Yeah. I, I would you know? I'll say the same thing. And then he goes along. And the one other thing I forgot to mention about the whole hot in the shade Gene Simmons Paul Stanley collaboration, they used all the fucking demos. Like, exactly. come on. You Lazy. Have clean that up. Yep. Yes. Yep. It adds to it. And then he goes from hot in the shade. Then he goes all the way down to Sonic Boom, then monster sounding. He got yep. worse as he fucking produced more. So, yep. all right. Number seven, Tom. And I'm going to do the same thing as you. I'm going to go with Sean Delaney. And I like Sean. I love his impact on Kiss. And again, the only thing really I want to penalize him for is, come on, dude. Rin Tin Tin is going to come on. At what point do you put your fucking foot down? That's my point. But if you listen to the production and the quality, and he's got these great backup singers and these soul voices, soulful voices that do, I'm burning up with fever. I think Not that's bad. great. Yeah. The only other thing I, w- I would say is like, listen to even the track that Gene is like emotionally invested. And that is. When you wish upon a sauce, he even has that like that Disney little like the beginning yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like that's pretty cool. He didn't just have Gene sing it. Go. Right. Like he added that flair into it. I so I think it's not bad. I'm at seven now. We have 14 halfway through. I don't think it's a bad job, but you we gotta put these somewhere. Right. I agree. So uh, number seven for me, I'm going with Jeff Glixman, the guy that produced Paul's solo album. Um, honestly, it's because we're getting to the, it's getting, we're getting to the big, the heavy hitters here. And, you know, honestly, I'm just going to give him shit for having hold me, touch me on this fucking album. I know it's Paul's album and he didn't write it and he didn't perform it, but you should have just been like, Paul, no, we're not doing this. Um, I, the album sounds good. It sounds, it sounds of the air. I mean, I, we're on record as saying how much we love that album itself, musically and song wise. Um, so again, I don't really know if I'm penalizing him by putting him at number seven. It's probably actually a compliment to have him at number seven. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's where I have him. Uh, that's where I have him at six as well, Tom. Uh, okay. Same thing. Horrendous decision to have hold me, touch me. And then whoever's decision was, I don't think it was him. To fucking have that as the only single from that album is even worse. Exactly. It's just, it's too bad because it's songs like It's All Right, Tonight You Belong to Me, uh, Take Me Away. Great production values on those. I, yep. I think Paul's album sounds great. You got to put them somewhere. So I'm going to put that at number six. Okay. Uh, my number six is Toby Wright, Carnival of Souls. We haven't uh, reviewed it yet, so I don't want to say too much, but kind of along the lines of what you said. I mean, look, when you hire an Alice in Chains producer, you're going to get a song, an album that sounds like Alice in Chains, or at least similar to it. It was that era. Uh, it was that grunge era. You know, the the distortion, the fuzz, that's what you get. You know, that's Alice in Chains. That's grunge. Uh, my biggest... My bigger complaint is not necessarily the sonics of the album, but some of the songs in the the construction of the songs uh, are just again i don't want to say too much because we haven't reviewed it but i'm not really going to penalize him too much on the sonics of the album more so the actual kind of songs themselves yeah at this point now we're nitpicking exactly so i agree yep we're not uh musicians uh or producers or engineers to be able to pick out the differences Yep. Uh, I'm sure Martin Popoff can do something like that for you, but this is where we're going. All right. So I'm top at five. Top, top five, five. Yeah, buddy. So number five is going to be the uh, debut Kenny Kerner, Richie Wise. And again, I know hot, hotter than hell, the, the sound quality, we all, it's legendary for being muddy and all that other stuff. But for as bad as that is, they still brought out all that greatness in debut album. Yep. And the debut album is so good that even the production horrendousness, <laughs> even the horrible production in Harder Than Hell balances out by the great job they did on the debut album to bring out that sound in 1974 in those yep. songs. I mean, listen to Deuce. 1974 yep. how good that sounds so i i know it's easy to shit on hotter than hell i still love the songs there i still want to okay. play them um but they do need to be penalized and they but their names are on the two legendary albums so right. yes they're going to get a little bit of more cut some a lot more slack than the production slip up of an album in you know 2012 like monster right all right, number five for me. Sorry, Bob Ezrin. Um, the disaster of the elder. We have not reviewed Destroyer yet, but some of the things he did with that, with some of the session players, some of the just silliness with some of the the you know the the orchestra and this and that, and great expectations and flaming youth, kind of weird, whatever. It, it, it and and I love revenge, and that's kind of his saving. He saves his ass with that because if it wasn't for revenge, he probably would have been lower than this. the The albums sound good, like in in terms of like drums, bass, treble, thickness, fullness, like Destroyer, like like Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime, where they fucking sound incredible. But just all of his little dabbling with all of his bullshit, especially on the Elder, and I, I always think about like the the, the breakdown, and I just wanna. Like what the fuck are you doing? This song rips, and then you just do this. What are you doing? That's so. That's just you ruined a good song with that breakdown. So look, I know he's a legend, but nah, 
No, he's fifth, which again, not bad. You're top five. Wow. I'll leave that yep. alone. Yep. Uh, number four for me is Neil Bogart. For him, the record label owner to be number four is amazing. Yep. Dress to Kill sounds great. He came in, talked to them, which is the other big part, what a producer should be doing, a collaboration. We need an anthem. Now, whether you can say that as the producer did that or as the record label, like, fucking guys, I need you to come up with something. He should get some credit for that. The right. anthem that still gets played gazillion times over. Yep. You know, he put the bug in their ear about that stuff. The production's great. The songs are great. I, I got to give him credit. And for for the fact of when you least expect it, he should deserve some praise. He's number four for me. He's number four for me, too. And that's one of the things I absolutely love about Dress to Kill. It's it's such a poppy, snappy album. The, the songs are it's one of my favorite Kiss albums. I, I love it. I love the way everything sounds. It's got a little bit of a punch. Um, it, when I say poppy, it's not like unmasked poppy. It's it's and it's not like the drudge of hotter than hell. I just think it's a really nice job for them. And I, it's an album I love listening to. I think like, you know, songs like Rock Bottom, they just it sounds they just sound great. Uh, not to mention the songs themselves, I think, are great. And I think Peter is off the charts, the way his drums sound and what they got out of him. Uh, the production of the dual vocals that Paul and Jeannie can really, really hear that come through. So I think it's a really well-produced album. Yeah. All right, Tom, top three. Yep. And this is where I'm going to get fucking people going. What? Eddie Kramer, number three. That's worse than my <laughs> Ezrin pick. No, it's not. The fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I think Eddie Kramer let those guys play and do some rock songs. I'll give him credit. Yep. I give him way more credit for what he did on Alive than I'll give him credit for the studio albums. I think Kiss had those songs in them. I think at that point they were in their fucking creative uh the juices were flying and they were gonna come up with some great songs regardless. Uh he still let them put Then She Kissed Me out there. Uh I feel there's some shit in uh uh the the quality is is awesome. But I don't really say, I think he got out of their way. I don't really listen to those two studio albums and be like, wow, listen to this. Because I can tell you, I like fucking the production of like calling Dr. Love off double platinum better. Uh, I love how they did that a little bit different. So there's little things in there. But I mean, it's Eddie fucking Kramer. I think he, he got the band. And he and he let them be, and he got great quality sound out of them. I just feel like if we're going studio albums, he's number three for me. Okay, uh, number three for me is Vinnie Poncia. Um, I'm going to give him a little bit of a penalty. Um, I like Unmasked, but it's I, I mean, I'm not going. I actually love Unmasked. But I think it's a little, it pushes the envelope on being a little too slick. Uh, I love Dynasty. Love that album. And people might say, well, what's the difference? They sound kind of the same. I don't know. You brought no, up a don't. great point. You, no, they you, don't. You, you brought up a great point when you listen to, like, sure knows something. I mean, for God's sake, the song is um, just incredible. 
And I do love Unmasked. It's a little bit, you know, a little heavy on the on the slickness and the popishness. But again, you're you're, you're the third ranked producer for me. So I, I I love him. I love everything he's done. So yeah, I just penalize him a lot for Unmasked. I don't yeah. have a problem with his production on Peter's album. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him his production on Dynasty. Yep. Okay. Um, and plus he also have the balls to be like, yeah, I just produced your album, Peter, but you're not playing on Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the and, fuck? and Peter's album sounds amazing. Yeah. Yep. I agree. All right. Number two. And this is the controversial thing in that as I'm putting Michael James Jackson as number two. And okay. I'm putting him over Eddie Kramer. I almost had him as number one. Fan fucking tastic. If I think about it right now, I'm not going to tip my hat right now about what we got on uh, Lick It Up because we haven't done that yet. But what's the worst song that came out of fucking Killers? Creatures and stuff keep me coming. That's the worst song I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, come on. And just the bonus he gets for what I think is not overrated, and that is the creature sound. And I'm not talking about just I Love It Loud or Creatures of the Night. Listen to the way Danger sounds, the drums on that, or Killer. Just incredible. I Love It Loud is legendary for those drums. It's just an incredible sound song. Then you get into Lick It Up. He could have brought out, hey, you just did an incredible album of Creatures of the Night. It flopped. We're taking off the makeup. We need a fucking kick-ass album. And boy, did he fucking do it. That album rocks. And he did an incredible job at the band at its probably most vulnerable state since destroyer and he hit it out of the park i I just can't say enough of good things about him and only because the fucking my number one he's not there but michael james jackson is still extremely underrated let's let's not talk about the fact that the four songs that they got out of him from killers after coming off of unmasked and uh and the elder this is what he got out of them think about that Unmasked Dynasty the Elder, and he comes in with the song some killers creatures and lick it up. I mean, come on. Fucking amazing producer. Yep, I agree. I got him at my number two. Um primarily for we haven't reviewed Lick It Up, but Lick It Up sounds thick, full, heavy. It has a timeless sound to it. It doesn't sound dated at all 40 years later. Uh and especially, you know, I've talked about Creature of the Night, what I think it might be overrated, but God love him. What he what he did for that band as a comeback album and made them sound heavy and and nasty and loud and bombastic. And then getting him back on track with those original songs from uh, from Killers. Uh, he's incredible and he doesn't get enough praise. He, he's an incredible producer. Love him. And, and, you know, God bless him, too. Died way too young. Uh, never got a chance to meet him. The great Michael James Jackson. Number one. You knew this was coming. Bob Ezrin for me is number one. It's not even fucking close. Not only does he fucking impact the sound of Kiss. Like the sound of Revenge. The sound of Destroyer. And the sound of The Elder. Better than any sounding albums. With the exception of Creatures for me. By far. In addition, nobody even comes close to the amount of hands-on impact 
he had to those albums as Bob Ezrin did. Helped write the songs, helped fucking he helped them become the band that they are because of Beth. The fucking whole, all that storyline be, be, behind uh, Detroit Rock City. The fucking idea to bring up, no, 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 fuck you, Paul. Gene singing God of Thunder. Oh, by the way, I get this crazy idea and make the kids sound like little fucking devils and, and demons in the background. Who the fuck else is impacting these albums like this? Not anybody coming close. How about the production he does on, uh, on Revenge? Everybody talks about that. How the kiss came back with revenge, the songs, he had an impact on those songs, all of them. So he's not Eddie Kramer back off. Let me help you. And I'll turn the knobs and get what the sound that you want. He was involved more than anybody. And I think God bless Ezrin kiss would never be where they were without Bob Ezrin. Eh, it's all right. Yeah. I got him fifth. Uh, number one for me, Eddie Kramer. Every single thing he produced is all—it's all my favorite stuff. All, all, Kiss Alive, one, two, three, rock and roll over. Love Gunner, obviously. I, I'm not a huge fan of everything that Ace does, but his solo album sonically sounds absolutely incredible. He did—he gave Kiss what I want: plug-in, bass, guitar, drums, vocals, garage band sounding. Gnarly sounding, nasty sounding, not super produced, not super slick, not perfectly sounding. Um, you know, I talk about endlessly about how much I love Love Gun, but the sonics of Rock and Roll Over might even be better than the sonics of Love Gun. It just the band sounds on point. And then I know we're not rating them for live albums, but I can't deny the fact of what he did with all the live albums. Um, I just think everything he did for Kiss is what I like, just a plug and play rock band with not all this other shit that Ezrin did. And again, I have Ezrin five because I give him credit, but Eddie Kramer is just bare knuckles, you know, down to the bone rock music. And I love what he, I love what he did for them. So it, it's funny. If you, let's say we added the live albums, do I move him? I might, because alive is so incredible and without him, I'm sure it never would be. Yeah. Um, Alive too. I know everybody from our era is like, oh, alive too, alive too. Alive is so much better than alive too sounding. And then the five songs oh. on, on alive two never got into them really. So I'm not sure I would move him above Michael James Jackson, but you can't say Eddie Kramer without saying alive. So right. I'll give him that. Right. Um, I will tell you, I, I think this is a great list. I think once you get into like seven or eight, all good producers wouldn't mind them producing anything. But once you go nine through 14, you're taking a chance, especially if you go like, you know, 11 to 14. You're like, oh, I'm not I agree. The I, I agree. The top half of these lists is, is, uh, is great. And the bottom half is the, there's a reason why there's a, a ranking system here. The bottom of this list deserves to be at the bottom. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the bottom half of the list is you know, probably the bottom half of the catalog if you're ranking them too. I mean, it could be a coincidence. Maybe we're being unfair. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess so. But some, I mean, some of these albums I would have higher. Asylum, Crazy Nights. I think I would be higher than some of these other albums. Like uh, yeah, Gene, yeah. Look, we have Gene's solo album as number seven. At least I do. You have, I have it, it number nine, nine right? right? Yep. You, and you I like Gene's album. Yeah, but I wouldn't have it as fucking even close. It's one of the weaker albums out there. 
Right, right. I know. I mean, this is all kiss relative. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the production does have something to do with it. So I think we were pretty fair in our analysis. And it's also it's all subjective. You know, what do you like? What don't you like? And do you penalize people if they did more than one and one of the albums is not as good as the other? You know, that's why kiss discussions like this are fun. Oh, yeah. Discussions. Absolutely. Fucking. You know, in 1978, Cream Magazine wrote an article about uh, Gene about his belt buckles. And uh, yeah. we're going to talk to the right. Like, this is kiss. what fucking fun is about. To this me, is what we love. These fucking discussions. Yeah. Getting deep in the weeds of being a kiss tart. This is what it's all about right here. Yeah. I love it. Yep. And uh, yeah, these are our, our favorite producers. Anyways, we hope you guys will list, put out what you guys think are the best producers and worst. Rank them. There's only 14. Put in what you want. And we'd love to see what you guys have to say. So, Tom, what we do next is we go to question of the week. You got something? We do. We got one from Twitter from Roland. Roland? Roland. 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 Put your boss on. I'll talk to him. Put your boss. I'll talk to him, Roland. Roland. He says, says, uh, it's now six months after the Doc McGee incident. What's your take on the aftermath or lack thereof? So is he talking about our buddy Tim? Yes, I, I'm. A, I'm assuming that's my. That's what I'm guessing. Thinking Stanley here, people, and listen, listen. Thinking Stanley here, people, and listen. Yeah. So uh, Tim is 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 fun guy. I like him personally. I do. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, we had discussions this week. Actually, Tom. As a matter of fact, I he wrote he put something up, and I was just like, dude. I, like what the fuck It's yep. nothing to do with Paul and you got to go there every yep. single fucking time. And yep. it's kind of hypocritical that you bring this shit up all the time and it has nothing to do with it, but that's Tim. He's got a fucking brand now and he wants to always put out his brand and we wish him the best. Cause I, I think personally, I think he's a good guy. He yeah. knows he's fucking off his rocker about this stupid fucking listen some of it is funny though i can't stop laughing i know a few people out here don't like that we let him post on our show i don't give a fuck when people have come after us about some stupid shit tim was the first one to defend us and we'll defend him you know there's stuff where we don't agree with and he gets it if we take it off he doesn't hold any hard uh, hard feelings against us he understands so now to what i think about it I think Paul, Gene, and and uh, Doc are running out the clock. Let's just wrap this up, boys. We're almost there. We'll finish the show afterwards. Do whatever you want. They're not going to fucking get into more trouble or do anything like that. I think Doc was probably told, shut the fuck up about that. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they're just running out the clock. They don't want to end on bad terms. Too much. Yeah. Too much known about every person. Like, everybody knows too much dirt about the others, so. Yeah, I think they're running out the clock, and I also think that they're doing what what the Kiss brand does, which is don't say don't don't comment on something and hope it goes away. For example, have you heard one word from the Kiss camp about the cruise? No, and guess what? No one's even talking about it anymore. They gaslight us into forgetting about shit. So the cruise gone. No one even talk. I don't even hear any murmurs of it on any Facebook groups anymore. This whole thing. Silence is golden. Don't even talk about it and it'll go away. And they do that all the time. Like, like off, like the off the soundboard stuff. 
we haven't gotten an official thing from them about, oh, sorry for the delay. We know you guys look, they just, it just goes away and you never hear about it ever again. And that's what they do. And it, when it works for them. Yeah. Well, so great question, Roland. <laughs> Roland. Uh, all right, Tom, where can people find us? Go to our website. Go to him. Go to him. Shout it out loudcast.com. That's the place you can find everything you need there. All of our episodes. Shout it out loudcast. ARC, Zeppelin Chronicles, Dorm Damage. You can find links to all of our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you can find links to our Amazon store, links to our Patreon and our Pantheon brothers, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, you can also send us messages directly through our website, which is great. But if you want to go old fashioned, you can use our email, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. We read every one of your emails. Sometimes we don't get to everyone during the show because we don't want six hours of feedback. Uh, but please, if you want a question of the week or if you want to be part of our upcoming mailbag, please send us an email uh, or you can do use the website and uh, your questions will be filed away for future use. So please, we love questions of the week. And of course, everybody loves our mailbag episode. Uh, and of course, as I already mentioned, our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I'm sorry. It's not Twitter anymore. Now it's X because fucking okay. Bozo the clown has to change everything. The fucking Bozo. Well, now you're not allowed to block people too, apparently. Yeah, whatever. So we're on X now, whatever. Uh, so please check us out on that. And again, a huge thanks to all of our Patreons. We love you guys. Uh, once again, another shout out to our buddy, Tony Barone of ABCPA Inc. You're the man. Yes. Thank you for, thank you for everything you've done for us. And we always like to mention that we're a proud member of the Pantheon podcast network of music related shows. Check them out. Yeah. Tom, I always tell people they can DM us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We get a lot of DMs on a lot of different subject matters. Feel free to send it to us. We'll try to get back to you, but we always try to look at everything. So again, we appreciate when you send us those. Go to our YouTube page. Subscribe to us there. Show is constantly growing on YouTube. It helps us out. Subscribe to us. And then give us a five-star child review. Go to Apple (laughs) Apple Podcasts. And uh, give us a five-star child review there. You can do it on Spotify, Facebook, podchaser.com, wherever you can. We'll read those on the air, and we appreciate when you do that. Another great way to help the show. So we always talk about Patreon. We always talk about subscribing to our YouTube. We say, go and give us a five-star child review. And then we always tell you to go to our merch store, right from shoutitoutloudcast.com, shoutitoutloudcast.com. Go and look at all the shirts designed by the great Jeff Trot. Yeah, Trotsky. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Jeff uh, designed some shirts with us, and we got a lot of great stuff out there. Get them now while they're original before they get ripped off by somebody else. And uh, <laughs> and you can find it at shoutitoutloudcast.com. You'll see the part that says merch. Click on that. It'll bring us to our Amazon store and you can go to the Amazon store, purchase things there. That helps us out tremendously. Yes. All these things are great ways to help us out and grow yep. the show. And I'll repeat the email. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Continue the support guys. We really appreciate it. And we like to thank you guys for everything you do for us. And we always end with famous last words. You got any? Oh, I do. In honor of Eddie Kramer. The radio was playing. 
Her fingertips were straying. Her mama didn't know she was there. No. Well, I'm going to pick a song by somebody that, eh, you know, well, he he, he was uh, number 10 for me. Okay. I've been up and down. I've been all around. I was mystified, almost terrified. But late at night, I still hear you call my name. Fish. You. King. Cukes. <laughs> Tom, Loudcasters, Kiss Army. Thank you. Guys, you're the best. Thank you so much. And Zeus, as always, my friend, thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. Anybody seen Richie? Huh? I'm going to keep coming back until somebody remembers seeing Richie. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.